0: Extensions galore in Broncos new ownership. All that and more on today's episode of Locked on NFL. You are Locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, so that means you have me again, Kevin Ostryker, the host of Locked On Ravens. And thank you for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day, whether that's in video or audio form. We're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by bet online bet online as we covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts and we're back here with a Monday edition and we have a ton to talk about today it seemed like last week was the extension galore aspect of the offseason with multiple big time extensions being handed down Hunter Renfro of the Las Vegas Raiders the Los Angeles Rams making some moves as well with Aaron Donald that was a big one Cooper Cup as well another big one so we'll be Talking about those in the first and second parts of the show. In the first part, we'll talk with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders about Hunter Renfro. Then in the second part, I'll go solo, and I'll be talking about Aaron Donald Cooper Cup and that Los Angeles Rams team and just what their strategy has been about trading away draft picks and, and just how they're able to get these guys, all these talented guys under contract. Then in the final segment, We'll be talking with Sarah Bettinger of Locked On Broncos about the Broncos' new ownership, and that's an exciting part of their franchise, a big aspect for them, and a big change for them. So we'll talk with Sarah about that in the final segment. But without any further ado, let's dive into the first segment, the first interview here with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders talking about Hunter Renfro. Starting off our extension talk here today, it's your boy Q of Locked On Raiders. And Q, the Raiders love staying in the news. And we talked a couple weeks ago. We're talking here again today, but this time about a Hunter Renfro extension. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, man. And, yeah, I just think that they keep uh, keeping in the news so we can keep having shows together. You know what I mean? So we can keep <laughs> jumping on and talking some uh, some Raider football, some NFL in general. And so it's always something that I have a lot of fun with. So, yeah, man, happy to be back with you. And, yeah, uh, the Hunter Renfro news. Uh, Came down Tuesday or uh, Friday, excuse me, afternoon. And it was a big deal, man. A big deal right there for the Raiders.
0: Yeah, And two for 32 Q, 21 million guaranteed. How do you feel about the money for him? Because he's a player that's really important to this Raider team coming off his first 100 catch season, 1000 yard season. How do you feel about the money the Raiders ended up giving him?
1: You know, I thought that the Raiders really got a really good deal. I mean, you look at what the wide receivers have been going for so far throughout free agency, right? I mean, you've seen these guys get some monstrous deals led off by Christian Kirk in Jacksonville, which is just some stupid money. Which, look, I'm not mad at any player that goes and gets money that I think is way too much than their worth. But uh, I, I thought Christian Kirk got way too much money than what his worth was, his value was. But with that being said, go, go get it. I thought Hunter Renfro was going to end up really demanding a lot of money. And I think that the Raiders really did a good job of, I mean, again, two years, 32 million, 21 million guaranteed, but he has one year left on his deal. He was going into the final year of his deal anyway. So really it boils down to like three years, at a base of like $11 million, which is a really good value for a slot receiver. When you think about who's going to be calling all the shots in Las Vegas, that's Josh McDaniels. Go back and look at his history with what he's done with slot receivers. Obviously they're very important in his offense. So uh, Hunter Renfro coming off the best season of his career, showing his value uh, a year ago, could have probably said, no, I think I need a little bit more, but instead uh, settled for a, a two-year contract extension, giving him a total of three years, and giving him another opportunity to play that role, be a really big-time playmaker, and even cash in again. So I think it's a win-win for both sides. Good money for a former fifth-round pick. I mean, it's not like he hit the big contract when he when he signed. Originally, his rookie deal, he's a fifth-rounder. So that's a, that's a big pay raise for him, and also gives him another opportunity to get a bigger pay raise a little bit further down the line.
0: And you mentioned the fact that he was a fifth-round pick, came into the league in 2019. Q, did you imagine we'd be having this conversation when he first came in the league in 2019? How have you seen him grow as a player since he first came in the league and what he's able to do now for this Raider offense?
1: You know, I liked him a lot when he came into the league because I saw what he did at Clemson. I saw what he was able to do with Deshaun Watson and be Deshaun Watson's go-to guy. And I'm a guy who pulls for Alabama football at all times. And I remember that championship game and Deshaun Watson that the winning touchdown went to under Renfro, like he, it was the guy that, hey, you need a big catch. Who are you going to go to? So I was first introduced to third and Renfro in that game and in, in, in that season. Right. And then, uh, you know, doing a little bit of research, everyone's like, hey, man, this guy, that's what he does. He's not the most athletic. He's not the biggest. He's not the fastest, but he knows how to get open. He knows how to sit down in in uh, in, in defenses and, and make himself available for the quarterback. So I always thought that he was going to be a good player for Derek Carr. I didn't realize how good he was going to be until last season when Darren Waller went down and you realize, Hey, the only weapon they really truly have is Hunter Renfro and defenses knew that too, but they still couldn't stop him. Right. He still found ways to get open and get multiple catches and go over a thousand yards and have over a hundred catches and, you know, find a way to will the Raiders to the playoffs, even though they lost to Cincinnati, it was still, you kind of saw what this guy's capability were. And then you fast forward and you see that Josh McDaniels takes over as the head coach. And immediately you think, Whoa, this could be the making of something special because he's done some special things with some slot receivers. And Hunter Renfro is a special receiver.
0: Yeah. And, and the car Renfro connection not going anywhere for a couple of years right. in Las Vegas. But Key, let's talk about that Raider passing offense right now, because obviously the huge addition of Devontae Adams, you mentioned Darren Waller in there as well. Yeah. How are you feeling about the passing offense for 2022 and even beyond knowing that Renfro is now in Las Vegas for a couple more years?
1: I think it has a chance to be nasty. I mean, really, it has the chance to be one of the best in the the league. You know, I mean, you look at that three-headed monster, Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro. One, Darren Waller's never been a Raider when he didn't have the most attention. You know, the, the defense has always paid attention to him because Darren Waller's Darren Waller. Devonte Adams has never been in the league where he didn't have the most attention, right? In Green Bay, everyone knew he was getting the ball. So all of a sudden, you free up both of those guys. And by the way, you throw in Hunter Renfro, who at a point last season was the only guy and still found ways to get open. I mean, with Derek Carr, we talk about him quite a bit. Raider Nation talks about him quite a bit. There's always the controversy, is he or isn't he the guy? There's really no excuse. You know, there's no excuse for not having success when you have those kind of weapons. And I know that the offensive line may be a little shaky, but Cincinnati's offensive line was shaky a year ago, and they ended up in the Super Bowl. Now I'm not saying the Raiders are going to end up in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying they have an opportunity to be a real special offense. By the way, Josh Jacobs has never ran the rock where he didn't have a loaded box, right? I mean, you know, he's like everything opens up, but it's one one thing opens up something else. So if you all of a sudden have to pay attention to Devontae, Darren, and Hunter, you can't load the box up. So now Josh Jacobs says, "Hey, I, I got one-on-one opportunities. All I got to do is get in the hole, make one guy miss, and I got an opportunity for a big play." I just think that the offense has a chance to be great. Now they got to put it all together. So we just saw mandatory minicamp get wrapped up. Uh, You know, you never know what happens with injuries and whatnot. But I mean, on paper right now in June, it looks like it could be one of the better offenses in the league. Yeah. And what I always say to you, and you make a great point, because the run game feeds off of the pass
0: game. The pass game feeds off of the run game. You're exactly right. Everything opens up something else within an offense. And I think especially with Carr and Renfro having that connection already established and how it has grown over the past couple of seasons. I mean, it's something that can be really dangerous contributing to now having an Avante Adams and already having Darren Waller there. But Q, what what have you seen from that Carr-Renfro connection and how that has grown over the last three seasons?
1: I mean, you just, you just see them getting comfortable with each other. Uh, I was at Hunter Renfro's first game where he scored a touchdown. It was against the Houston Texans, and it was his rookie year, and the Raiders weren't playing very good ball, and they lost that game, as a matter of fact. But Hunter Renfro caught the ball, made a little spin move, and took it to the house and really shocked everybody with his breakaway speed. He was like, wait, hold on. Where did that guy get that breakaway speed? He's not supposed to be that guy. But you saw then that Derek Carr trusted him and realized that Hunter Renfro is going to make the right play. And that's what you've seen. And I think that's the biggest key. What you've seen from him over the years is that trust between Carr and him continue to grow. Renfro's gonna be where he needs to be Renfro's gonna catch the ball he very rarely puts it on the ground he's gonna catch the ball and then he's gonna make a play he's going to fall forward he'll catch the ball and he's gonna get a couple yards afterwards if not more you know he's he's just very I hate to say fundamental because it makes him sound like he's not very athletic but he's just he's very smart he's a strategic football player he's very good at what he does and he's a really good security blanket for Derek Carr and now you add Devontae Adams with the big play ability Darren Waller has a big play ability I mean the 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 sky is the limit for this offense. Again, they've got to get on the same page. I think that they're doing that uh, a lot right now. You saw them a little bit in mandatory minicamp all working together and kind of saw what, you know, kind of liked what you saw. But uh, it's, it's going to be interesting, man, once they put this whole thing together. Once training camp goes and you see a little bit in preseason, not from those guys, but just from the team in general, start to get an idea of what it could po- possibly be. But yeah, Carr and Renfro, that connection has just grown and grown and grown over the years
0: and renfro as you talked about q grown as a player too but what are some of his strengths and how can he even improve and get better on what he's done over the past couple years here
1: i think that his one area that he's going to continue to grow in and, and and concentrate on i think this is something he said to the media just the other day was um this new regime has taught him that you know sometimes he'll make a, a second and third and fourth move sometimes that fourth move isn't needed right Sometimes he's doing too many jukes, you know, because he's he's a guy that'll find a way to get open. His route is never exactly what you think it's going to be. I mean, he's just very shifty with his footwork, but I think that they're going to help continue to clean up his footwork. Sometimes he gets a little loose and he'll do, like I said, a, a, an extra move that might not be necessary. So instead of, you know, going the extra route to try to make the extra the extra juke move, just know that you already got your guy beat, sit down, get the play, you know, make the play happen. So it doesn't take as long to develop. So I think that's how you'll, you'll see Hunter Renfro continue to grow. Just be a little bit more, uh, you know, like just, just tighter, tighter with his movements. I think that's the best way to look at it. And uh, if he does that, especially with less attention being put on him with everyone else around him, I think that just makes his game that much better.
0: Yeah, and I know, Q, we talked a lot about the AFC West a couple weeks ago. And we talked, yeah. I think, that division, the potential to be one of the best in football. And again, the Raiders certainly making the moves to be competitive within that division that now has Russell Wilson and a bunch of other playmakers in it as well. Thanks so much for hopping on here with me
1: today, Q. Anytime, man. Maybe the Raiders will make another move. Waller, he's up next. You know, what are they going to do with his contract? Are they going to extend him? If they do, I'm sure we'll be talking again. So I appreciate you.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much, Q. I really do think that the AFC West is going to be one of the best divisions in football, whether it is teams like the Raiders or the Broncos or obviously the Chiefs or the Chargers. I feel like all of them have positioned themselves very nicely to make a run at that division crown. And Hunter Renfro, a big part of that Raider offense and a big extension to get done for Las Vegas. But we'll head into our first break here on Locked On NFL. Still a ton to talk about when we get back. We'll be diving into the Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup extensions for the Los Angeles Rams and talking about their strategy in terms of big money contracts, trading picks for stars and more. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked On NFL. First of all, I do want to tell you a bit about Blue Nile and whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that you choose a diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style and Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft the perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind and if you're looking for fine jewelry, but if you're having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 and they're available via phone or from chat also to help you find a memorable gift at any. Budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNow.com and Locked On Sports listeners. Get $50 off of purchases of $500 or more. This podcast is losing and engagement. So use code Locked On. That's code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, tips free, and arrives under free packaging. Don't we'll give away what's inside. So shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNow.com today. And we're back here with our second segment of Locked on NFL. Kevin Ostrecker, your host, still here with you. And again, thank you for making Locked on NFL your first listen of the day. And be sure to stay tuned for the ultimate NBA mock draft that starts June 16th. There were 50 insiders, nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. Locked on NBA big board draft experts plus Odyssey insiders. The first pick is June 16th. Search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. Let's talk about some picks now. Let's talk about this Los Angeles Rams team that has really put forth this strategy of trading picks for players. And it's not just a fourth-round pick here and a fifth-round pick here. No, they go they go all out. They trade their picks for stars. We've seen them trade first-rounders for Brandon Cooks, Jalen Ramsey, moving up to select Jared Goff in 2016, obviously Matthew Stafford as well. There's a lot of big-time talent, plus not to mention, they've drafted a couple big-time talents, namely Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, to name the two that were extended for the Los Angeles Rams. Now, Aaron Donald, you know, his that, that was a big one because I know there was the hints of retirement and is Aaron Donald content with everything now that he's won that Super Bowl? Well, the Rams end up giving Aaron Donald his money for... Aaron Donald, they ended up extending him. And that is an extra $40 million raise over the final three years of his existing contract. So he's the first non-quarterback to make more than $30 million per season. That, that's incredible. And I mean, look, he he deserves it. He's the best player. He's the best defensive player in the NFL. Someone who has earned every single penny of that extension was key in not, not only the Rams Super Bowl win, but their entire playoff run. He is he's already established himself as a future hall of famer. And right now he's only 31 years old, just turned 31 about a month ago. So for Aaron Donald, his contract is a three year, $95 million contract. Now the potential out there is in 2024. His base salary for 2022 is only $1.5 million. His cap it though is 24. Now it's a lower first year cap hit for him. $38 million is the cap hit in 2023, 31 million in 2024. But then you have Cooper Cup, who was also given an extension. And again, Cooper Cup has turned into one of the best wide receivers, and many argue the best receiver in the NFL. Now, Cup again, first year cap hit a little bit on the lower end for him—only seventeen million dollars. And I say only, but only seventeen million dollars in his first season. But then it jumps up to twenty-seven, then twenty-six, then twenty-six, then twenty-three over the final four years of that deal. So it's a it's a three-year eighty million dollar contract that he ended up signing. And it's about $110 through 2026 for him. So that's the total amount of that deal. And people keep asking, where are the Rams getting this money? How do they keep signing their players for, you know, not just small deals or extensions that are below market value. These are big extensions, big contracts. They signed Matthew Stafford to an extension earlier in the off season. Obviously they've brought in guys like Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner and a couple others. They have fielded themselves a team, and now they did lose a couple guys, right? They traded picks for Von Miller, and he ended up going to Buffalo on a massive deal himself. They've had to release a couple guys also, but there's no there's no doubt that the Rams are in prime position to repeat as Super Bowl champions, that they have built the roster for it again, and now it's just a matter of kind of figuring out how this strategy has worked out for them and just what they're going to have to do moving forward with all these big money contract extensions because the Rams have not had a first-round pick since 2016. Yeah, 2016, that's when they traded up and took Jared Goff. And other than that, they're not going to have a first-round pick till next year, 2024, and that's that's just right now. They could trade that pick and continue with their strategy, but their strategy has been trade high-level picks for high-level players, and it has gotten them stars. It has netted them extreme talent. And a lot of people, when they traded for Von Miller, was the whole thing and even before I mean it was with Matthew Stafford and all the other moves they made Jalen Ramsey it was this is an all-in move where it pretty much was almost Super Bowl or bust for them with some of their pieces like again Von Miller did leave so that was their one chance to win with him and a lot of people thought well look if they lose to Cincinnati they're not going to have a ton of picks and they didn't they're not going to have a lot of picks in 2023 either right now they owe their first round pick to the Lions they owe their fourth rounder to the Patriots, their fifth rounders of the Browns and just all this crazy stuff the sixth rounder they they have a bunch of sixth rounders. I think they have four sixth rounders in 2023 and a couple seventh rounders. So the strategy for them, they're going to have to hit on their late round picks. That's just what it is because with with these big money contract extensions what I mentioned, the first year cap hits are kind of on the low end. They want to make room to fit all these guys in on the same roster together. But then once the cap hits start increasing, like, for example, let's look at Matthew Stafford's contract, because that is one that is is an example of this, especially for a quarterback who obviously quarterbacks get paid usually the most money once they're eligible or extension eligible. So Stafford's cap hit in 2022 is going to be 13 and a half million dollars. Then that jumps to 20 million in 2023. So still not bad at all. But then you're looking at 2024; it jumps from 20 to 49 and a half million. 2025, it's another 50 million, and then 2026—that's his age 38 season. It's a 49 million dollar cap. Now there is an out for them in 2026 where they'd only suffer 12 million dollars in dead cap. So if Stafford has regressed at that point, they can get out of it. But that's the thing: it's recycle and then bring in new guys. And for these big money extensions, like for Stafford, for example, if he has fallen off a cliff and he hasn't played well for a couple of years that the Rams can get out of that in 2026 and then reuse that money and only suffer that $12 million dead cap hit while saving upwards of $20 million. So it's that strategy. But for the next couple of seasons, when the Rams don't have high level draft picks, at least for 2023, 2024, they have most of their picks. I think they only owe, they actually, they have all their picks. They only traded a seventh rounder and a pick swap to the Broncos for the Kenny young deal. They have so many assets, so many high level assets on their team, but Bobby Wagner's cap hit going back to contracts in 2022, they structured that deal again. So the 2022 cap hit is low at only $2.5 million on the cap hit. Now then in 2023, you have 12 million, 2024, it's 12 million, but then they have the out in 2025 where they would only have $2 million in dead cap and they'd save. Around $10 million there. So they're setting it up to be able to slowly bring that money back in and have a couple years of dominance with these high level assets where their cap hits aren't as high. And then once they spike up, it'll be only like a year or two or, you know, for for Aaron Donald or for Gruber Cup, you you take those cap hits, right? Those players are worth it and they absolutely earn those extensions. But again, it's can you hit on the late round draft picks and can you build a roster around these guys? Because free agency. While the Rams did it this year, right? They they brought in Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner and some of those guys I mentioned. They traded for Troy Hill back as well from the Cleveland Browns. So Hill goes from the Rams to the Browns to the Rams. They're gonna have to hit, and it's gonna be important for them to do so. And not having a first round pick for seven years, once Matthew Stafford is gone from Los Angeles, once Aaron Donald actually does retire, Cooper Cup still has a lot of football left in him. But again, Bobby Wagner, right? Some of these older players are gonna end up retiring you know, we, we don't know when they could play for, could play forever, but at the same time, you have to think about it from the perspective of, well, the Rams are going to have to eventually with the salary cap, they're going to have to take a hit somewhere, right? The salary cap. I know that the saying is the salary cap isn't real. I do believe it is real, but there are ways around it. Right. I, I think that eventually things will catch up to you in one way or another, but depending on, you know, how savvy a general manager is or how savvy an organization is, they, they can work around it to make it not as bad as maybe another organization would if they were in the same situation. So the Rams have done a good job. The Rams owners, you know, Stan Kroenke, the Kroenke family, you know, they have they have a lot of money to spend. They own multiple professional franchises, including the Denver Nuggets, the Colorado Avalanche, obviously the Rams as well. So they're not afraid to spend on the Rams. You know, that moving to Los Angeles, it is a big source of income for them. And they won that Super Bowl. They're trying to repeat. They're not afraid to bring in those high-level players. But now they have to figure out what they can do with, again, it might not be as limited as some people think, where people are saying, oh, well, it's going to catch up to them and they're not going to be able to spend for three, four, five years. I don't think it's going to get that far. But I do think that the late-round draft picks, as I keep coming back to, is very important veteran minimum deals, potentially. If if the the free agent market, if these guys now and like, June, July, August, see the Rams building this roster and they say, Hey, I want a chance at a ring. But let's go to Los Angeles for a year. They would take most likely potentially a veteran minimum deal. So the Cup extension, the Aaron Donald extension, two that I think were very, very well deserved for both players. They both earned an extreme amount of money and they deserve an extreme amount of money. The two of the best at their position. Aaron Donald, I think, again, the best defensive player in the NFL. So congrats to those two. But we'll head into our final break here on Locked on NFL. Still a ton to talk about. Next, we'll dive into the Broncos' ownership, their new ownership group with Sarah Bedinger of Locked on Broncos. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about on Locked on NFL. First, though, I do want to tell you about Bet Online and BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all latest fighting news from mma and ufc to boxing Bet online is your continued source for other sports waging information including live betting esports and more that's the website today using mobile device, to learn more about the trends in action bet online where the game starts we're back here our final segment of locked on nfl kevin all your host still here with you again thank you for making locked on nfl your first listen of the day be sure to subscribe to this channel and follow us in audio format now we're going to be talking with sarah Bedinger of Locked On Broncos, about the Broncos' new ownership group and the mood in Denver right now surrounding that. So let's tune into that now. Joining me here now to talk about the Broncos' new ownership is Sarah Bedinger, the host or one of the hosts of Locked On Broncos. And Sarah, this is a big step for the Denver Broncos here as they are now bought by a really great ownership group, in my opinion, here, the Walton Penner Family Ownership Group. That's obviously headed out by the Walmart heir, Rob Walton. How are you doing and how you feeling about this news?
2: I'm doing great. You know, it's been a pretty fantastic off season for the Denver Broncos. Everything just kind of falling into place on paper, right? We get the the head coach right away. And I think everybody kind of fell in love with Nathaniel Hackett, just his, his press conference immediately. Then, of course, you get the trade in early March for Russell Wilson. So you got head coach, you got quarterback, but then you got this ownership thing that's kind of lingering over over all of it. It's like, well, who's going to pay Russell Wilson, right? Who's going to be the one to come in and actually give him that contract to keep him with the Denver Broncos for the foreseeable future and I like the ownership group that's been put together like Cody and I on Locktown Broncos we talked about this many times just wondering like what's it going to be like to have a a new owner coming in who's not Pat Bolin that's the thing that none of us well um, my generation of Broncos fans we have no concept of that you know Pat Bolin's been the owner or was the owner until he passed away for my whole life. So I think that it'll be fascinating to see how somebody else runs the team. And, and the questions are, what's their, what's their passion for the Broncos? Obviously they're invested heavily at 4.65 billion. The most a sports franchise has ever been purchased for in America. So they're invested financially but how much do they love the team? That's what I think we're all eager to find out in Broncos country is how much do they love the team? How, you know, what kind of, what kind of level of investment are they going to have? Like Pat Bowen was known for going into the locker room and being with the players and, and being somebody that the players really developed a great relationship with while they were on the team. Is the new ownership group going to kind of be like that? Are they going to be more hands off and kind of let George Payton and his guys in the front office do their thing? It'll be fascinating to see, but I think everybody's excited now to just kind of mostly just to have it in the past right and just to know that the broncos are as valued as they were at 4.65 billion i think that excites the fan base as well
0: yeah we're, we're not talking about millions we're talking billions of dollars here for 4.65 and that is a massive number you mentioned it a record for an american sports franchise and sarah was this a number that you expected did you maybe expect the team to go for a little less or even a little more and even break that record what, what was your kind of thought process behind that
2: I think all along the rumor had been like 4 billion is kind of the benchmark. And so that was where I I think that the threshold started and I didn't, I didn't necessarily think it was going to get up too much higher than that, but 4.65 I think is more than anybody assumed it was going to land at. So I think it's it's up there obviously I mean 650 million dollars certainly no you know small chunk of change but it's it's definitely not too too high or too far off I think the last NFL franchise that sold was the Carolina Panthers at just over Two two billion, so it's it's more than double what the Panthers sold for, which I think is about right or is about kind of where we all thought maybe it could end up being, just based on the way that the I guess is there really a market quote unquote to say this the market has shifted to that point or whatever, but I think that definitely it was a it was a figure that it it, it both kind of surprised everybody, but also like wasn't really out of the realm of possibility. So I think everybody was kind of thinking that it would be around the four billion to see it go up to four point six five. It was kind of cool, honestly. It's kind of cool to see there was a little bidding war, a second round of of bids put in by four different ownership groups. So really great to see it it come all together.
0: Yeah. And Sarah, one of the things you mentioned was how the new ownership group will, you know, run this team and kind of be hands-on with them. And that's very interesting to me because I think it's one of the worst interesting points of this whole thing. It's just how will things be run? Under new ownership. So, Sarah, what would you like to see personally in terms of how new ownership does their thing?
2: Well, I'd like to see for sure just this new ownership group really put their trust in general manager George Payton first and foremost, just to know that they they came into this uh, with a general manager already in place that just traded for Russell Wilson. You just had a massive offseason in terms of bringing in other pieces like Randy Gregory and DJ Jones and having another solid draft and last year winning the award for the best draft, you know, which it's too early to tell that anyway. But I think the Broncos did have a really good draft last year. So you got you got a lot of reasons to be confident in George Payton. And I think what everyone's afraid of is kind of a middling owner, like, like Jerry Jones with the Dallas Cowboys who comes in, he's like, I'm going to be the general manager. And, and I don't really think anyone wants that in Broncos country. I think we all want somebody like, you know, Cronky with the Rams. Who's like, Hey, you just tell me who you're keeping around. I'm going to, you know, write my name on the check and you give the check to that player. I think you want to see the Broncos be aggressive. You want to see this, this new, this, this new just flowing overflowing river of cash actually helped the team because that's something that's been a, a thing with Broncos country in recent years. It's, well, the team, it, they have a lot of cap space, but they don't have a ton of cash on hand to be able to make these big signings. And now that's something that I think we don't necessarily have to worry about. I mean, everybody's talking about how the salary cap is is not real for teams like the Los Angeles Rams and teams that are making all these big moves. But in reality, they're just able to manipulate because they have so much cash on hand. They're able to push the push the numbers around. So seeing an owner be willing to do whatever it takes to win, I think that's, the, that's really the number one thing that we want to see is, hey, I'm going to equip the football people to do what they do, and I'm going to give them whatever assets they need to be able to do it.
0: Yeah. And speaking of Peyton's, let's move on to Peyton Manning as you know, the former Broncos quarterback. There have been some potential rumors and rumblings that he could have potentially an advisory role, some ownership stake within this Denver Broncos team. Is that something you'd like to see happen?
2: I think it's something I'd like to see happen. And I think everybody in Broncos country really wants to see it happen. It's, it's, it's something that's been rumored for a while, pretty much every vacancy other than being the quarterback, which even that has been talked about among Broncos fans, but pretty much every vacancy over the last six years since Peyton retired, everybody's wanting Peyton Manning to be that guy to come in. You want him to be the head coach. They want him to be the offensive coordinator. They want him to be the general manager. And I think ownership is really what Peyton Manning has been readying himself for. And not necessarily he's he's not going to be the top guy, but I think just having stake in the team, you know, he's he lives in Denver. He stayed in Denver after he retired. So that's that's his home. He's always around the Broncos facility. He's he's constantly doing stuff with the team anyway. It just makes sense for him. He, he's a champion in the Denver community at this point, And I think it just it just makes a ton of sense for him to be able to be part of that side of the business and have a a stake in ownership you know he he, believe it or not it's crazy to think about Peyton Manning has nowhere near enough money to buy an NFL franchise so this is the clearest path for him to get in with a franchise that he absolutely loves you know I know that's probably hard for a lot of Colts fans to hear but I think Peyton Manning's post-playing trajectory the career arc that he's on after his playing days kind of everything that Indianapolis Colts fans probably dreamed right he's he's made his residence in Denver he's now going to potentially be part owner of the Denver Broncos it's really cool to see because Peyton has such a great influence over the team still I mean he, he's he's come in and he's done film stuff with Russell Wilson he talks to all the players he, he does all this different stuff for the team it'd be great to have him be an official part of what they're doing going forward
0: Yeah, and with me being a Denver Nuggets guy, I know Peyton Manning has certainly rooted himself in the Denver community and has really embraced that community. So to hear him potentially be in this advisory role or have some ownership stake, it doesn't necessarily shock me because of just how much he loves the Denver community. But Sarah, it seems like there is a lot of excitement surrounding Broncos country right now, and especially with the moves that they've made. And I've asked a lot of other hosts around the network about how they've felt about the schedules that their teams have gotten throughout the course of the 2022 off season here. Now we know not just who they will play, but when and where and all the travel miles. How do you feel the Broncos got their schedule and just how it went in terms of home games, away games, and even travel?
2: I think it's pretty good. It's it's going to be uh, you know pretty favorable to start off. They play the Jets and the Texans and a couple of other teams early on. That's you know they're all NFL teams, so they all have NFL players and you you never know what could happen on a given Sunday, but just on paper, the early part of the schedule looks pretty favorable to the Broncos. And then right in the middle of the season they take a trip to London to play the Jaguars, which I think is is going to be awesome. The Broncos haven't been over in London or done any of the international games like that for a while. So it'll be great to have them back in that circuit and they come back from that. They've got their bye week and the second half of the schedule is is absolutely brutal, including a, a road trip to play against your Ravens, which I, I mean the Baltimore Ravens, they, they've got one of the best home field advantages in football. I think like third or fourth best home record over the last 20 years, something like that. So that's part of just an intense second half of the season for the Broncos including two matchups against the Kansas City Chiefs in a four-week period. And you've obviously got the the gauntlet that is the AFC West in general. And they play up the majority of their AFC West games the second half. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like you better get off to a hot start and then you know just really galvanize as the season goes along. I think the schedule's built for them to be able to do that, just like 2012, Peyton Manning joined the team his first year. They kind of got off to a rough start, but the fifth game into the season, they started to really gel, and they I think they went on an 11-game winning streak or something like that, and of course, that's another callback to a great Baltimore Ravens season for you, uh, the 2012 season, but it was a it was a great thing to see for the Denver Broncos. They became really cohesive as the season went along, so if they can do that, it'll be perfect because the second half of their schedule is absolutely brutal.
0: Yeah, and I keep telling people that AFC West, in my opinion, I think is going to be one of the best, if not the best division in football this year. And it seemed like the whole offseason, every team was going, I'm going to one up you. And then, no, well, I'm going to one up you. And then it just kept going and kept going. So I, I seriously think each team in that division positioned themselves to win it. And I'm really excited to see how it all turns out. But, Sarah, thanks so much for joining me here today.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it seems like lots of excitement around Broncos country right now. Again, that AFC West division, I keep coming back to it. <laughs> One of the best in football next year, my prediction. I think it'll be right up there with the NFC West, the AFC North, etc. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to get back tomorrow. we will be here with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We will see you right back here tomorrow.